1420 WGN. I always have a blast when my good friend, Dr. Lauren Stryker, comes in studio. You see her all over the place, Windy City Live. You're on Channel 9. You're everywhere. Uh, you are the director and the big boss now at the uh, Center for... I'm going to have you tell the title because this the, is such the, a long title. The Northwestern title. Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause. That's right. And by the way, and I checked out your new digs and it is absolutely gorgeous. You know, it office. is. I, it is. You know, but the women that come there don't really notice how gorgeous it is. I know. They have other things on their mind, which is as it should be. Yes. But, you know, I always laugh that, that we are, of course, in the Lavin Family Pavilion, which is beautiful. Yes. And we have this apartment building right across the way. Yeah. No one ever closes their drapes. Oh, I know. That's uh, like, Isn't it like amazing? Us, we have, in, in the studio we're in tonight, uh, we're facing west. So we're facing, I guess, what would be the Hyatt. And then when we face east, when we're in the other studio, we're facing the Swiss Hotel. Same thing. Nobody... I mean, I'm glad that people are so open, but oh, oh my, my God, God, sometimes we really don't need to see this guy tushed, well, you know, in his own. I mean, right? we see like way too much. Oh, we see multiple people in rooms <laughs> doing things they shouldn't that. be doing or else we shouldn't be talking no, about but it. But it's but crazy. It, but it is crazy, but it, it does distract our patients who <laughs> takes their mind off their problems. They look <laughs> right. out the window and they're like, oh my, am I really seeing right. that? They're like, exactly. yeah, you are. <laughs> don't look, don't, yeah, don't look. look. Don't look. Yeah, all, our, I guess our advice pe- for anybody in any sort of high rise would be always close the drapes no matter where you Unless are. Unless you don't care. Right. No matter Some how people high don't up you care. are, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're here tonight. We have a lot to talk about. Um, but one of the main reasons you are launching a website tonight. Well, it's it, more than a website. It's I a mean, program. A really, really exciting program. It's amazing. It, it truly is. This has been two years in the works now. And what this is, is we know, of course, that over three million people in the United States, women, are living with a diagnosis of breast cancer, whether it's recent or whether it's, you know, years and years ago. Right. And one out of 10 of those are actually young, under the age of 45. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence of that, almost 70 to 80 percent of them have sexual problems, sexual issues, sexual concerns, which are difficult to address. And one of the big ones, of course, is vaginal dryness and pain with intercourse. Mm -hmm. And while we do have a lot of safe, effective options, most of them are hormonal, local hormonal options, which for many women are safe. But let's face it, women with breast cancer either are told not to go anywhere near a hormone Mm -hmm. or they just don't want to. So over the last few years, we've had a very, very successful vaginal laser program, the Mona Lisa program, where this is a non-hormonal option for women who have painful intercourse and vaginal dryness, who not necessarily with breast cancer, any woman, but we of course treat a lot of women with breast cancer and it's very successful. But here's the problem. Insurance doesn't cover it. And it is quite expensive. Right. It can be up to $3,000 for the whole series of treatments. Mm -hmm. How many treatments are there? Three. Okay. Three, six weeks apart. So it takes 12 weeks to get through the whole cycle. Um, then you need a booster treatment every year. And it's been terrible because there are so many women that come in and say, this is the answer. This is what I want. My insurance doesn't cover it and I can't afford it. Right. Well, tonight we are launching the Brava program, nice. B-R-A-V-A. Okay. And this is through the generosity of a number of donors to the Northwestern uh, Foundation. And we are going to be offering complimentary vaginal laser to women, qualified women with breast cancer. This is huge. As far as I know, we are the first ones to be able to do this. And I'm so grateful to the donors who have made this possible. And of course, we're hoping to get more donors so we can offer this to even more women. So women who are interested, and I bet there are more than a few out there who are interested, uh, they need to go to nm.org slash 
Brava. So that's N is in Northwestern Medicine, uh-huh. nm.org slash Brava, B-R-A-V-A. And there is all the information. And if someone is interested in getting um, access to these complimentary laser treatments. Um, we, we see them in the Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, of course, because we need to explain the whole thing to them, make sure that they're a good candidate, let them know all their options. And then if they're eligible, uh, you know, we would love to offer it to everyone. We can't, not yet until we get more, but we are going to be offering a significant number of them. And this is going to, this program is going to continue. So I am really excited about this because honestly, I mean, you know, we're there to help people and it's been really hard to have to say to women, no, I'm so sorry. Right. We can't do it. And, and now we can. And women so. need this. And especially women who have, have suffered through breast cancer. I mean, this is just, this is the first I've heard of this program. Yeah. Well, this just launched today. I mean, literally, I said to, I, you know, I'm working on it for a long time and we yeah. got the go ahead and we needed to have our website ready to go. And so I said to the, you know, powers that be at Northwestern, I said, I'm going to talk, chat with Andrea Darlis about this on WGN. You've got to get this, this website Get it going. Yep. So I will say that if you sign up now, you will be the first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because literally we've just opened it up today. Um, and it's, it's really very exciting. And that's why I made the point of saying, you know, certainly any age woman will benefit, but we also really think about young women, women who are in their thirties, women right. who are in their forties. And to be told, sorry, you know, sex is just off the table. And on one hand, you know, women say like, okay, I know I should be grateful to be alive and I shouldn't be complaining about the loss of, of my sex life. But yeah, you can pl- complain about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's and and we, because it's life, it's, it's quality of life. Yes. It's relationship, it's self-esteem, it's feeling isolated. And not to mention the women that have the thinning and drying of the tissues. It's not just about intercourse. Women who don't have intercourse or who aren't interested in intercourse still get very uncomfortable, you know, itchy and burny and recurrent urinary tract infections and urinary urgency. And there's a whole spectrum of symptoms that someone might have from the thinning dry tissue that occurs with menopause. And again, this treatment is not just for women with breast cancer. It's for any postmenopause women who has those symptoms. Right. But the program, the Brava program, is specifically for women with breast cancer. Okay. And as long as we're talking about breast cancer, I want you to dispel a myth. And I know we talked about this maybe last year at some point. I, there are so many myths associated with, uh, with the pill. Yeah. And I know so many people say... You mean say, the birth control pill? The birth control yeah. pill. I know so many people have said over the years, oh, you can't be on the pill for a certain amount of time because that could lead to breast cancer or ovarian cancer. Yeah. And I know every time we talk about this, you dispel the myth, but yeah. please dispel. Well, I will dispel away. Okay. Um, the pill is interesting because everyone thinks hormones and the hormones are somehow bad for you. Hormones are actually good for you. We make hormones. It's a good thing to make hormones. And we know that women who are taking long-term hormonal contraception, such as the birth control pill, for 10 years or more have actually a 40% decrease in ovarian cancer, 40 to 50% decrease in uterine cancer. It has no impact on breast cancer, but I'm about to dispel a bigger myth Mm -hmm. because the myth that we hear more than that is women who think that when they go through menopause, if they take hormone therapy, that they're going to get breast cancer. And what we know and this is not just my opinion. I mean, this is the, this is the menopause society. This is the scientific literature that estrogen, estrogen does not increase the risk of breast cancer. If you go back to that 2002 very scary study, the Women's Health Initiative that made everyone, you know, flush their hormones down the toilet. Right. There were actually two groups of women 
There were women who took estrogen and a progestin together because mm-hmm. you need to do it together if you have a uterus to protect the lining of the uterus. Mm-hmm. And those are the women that had a slight increase in breast cancer. The women who did not have a uterus who took estrogen alone had no increase in breast cancer. And in fact, they had a 30% decrease in all-cause mortality. So what that means is that there was a 30% smaller chance that they would die from things like heart disease, blood clots, osteoporosis, and all of that. And so it wasn't the estrogen that was the problem. It was the estrogen and the progestin together. In addition, now, of course, we know a lot more about hormone therapy, and we have different kinds of estrogens. We use a lot of transdermal products, meaning that they go through the skin. Mm-hmm. Like lotions. Or, lotions yeah. and sprays and creams and, and patches and all of that. But this is the new, the newest thing, the, of the research thing, which is truly, truly interesting, exciting, and frightening at the same time, is that what we now appreciate is that hot flashes are not just about being miserable. You know, we used to think, right. well, you should treat your hot flashes because, you know, why wouldn't you? You can't sleep, you can't think, you can't function, you're ripping off your clothes during a right. meeting. <laughs> right. But it, it turns out it goes beyond that. We know that women that have hot flashes over a long period of time, and hot flashes last an average of 7 to 10 years, that oh, the fantastic. chronic... Isn't it fantastic? <laughs> oh, Something wow. to look forward to. Wow, great. That, that these hot flashes flashes actually cause a chronic inflammation, which is associated with not only heart disease, but also breast cancer. So now what we're saying is, okay, maybe you don't just treat the hot flashes because you're miserable, although quite frankly, I think that's reason enough. I do too. But you also treat the hot flashes because if you don't, you may be putting yourself at risk. And we know, we know this is not new information, that women that take on transdermal hormone therapy have a decrease in their cholesterol, a decrease in their triglycerides, blood pressure can sometimes decrease, they sleep better, they lose weight better. Hormones are good for you. Right. You know, it helps your bones, it helps your bladder, it helps your vagina, it helps your brain. So does everyone need to take hormone therapy? Of course not. There are many women that do just fine without it. But this idea that you can't take it because it's going to do terrible things for you, I think we're going to turn around 10 years from now and say, wow, there was a whole generation of women that really were not treated right. Right. They missed the boat they missed just because the boat they, because they were advised. Well, right. and, and they're doctors. I mean, you know what I'm telling you? I, I tell women this all the time and they're like, wow, well, I've been to three other doctors who told me the exact opposite. And the truth is, is that that's old, old news, you know, if yeah. and can't keep up with everything. And I don't blame every doctor for of not course. knowing everything. But that's why we have a menopause center in Northwestern. Right. Because there is new research coming out all the time. And if you don't have access to this new research, you can't possibly know about it. This center which you oversee, you were talking about for doing this for years and years and years, and it finally became a reality. That's right. And it and it, it's not just for women uh, premenopausal or postmenopausal no, no, no. women. It's for basically all women. Well, it's for all women because it was we have three programs here. Three programs. Program number one is what we've been talking about, our menopause program. And while that's primarily women over the age of 40, certainly we have young women who go through the menopause program as well for a variety of reasons. You know, surgically, they might have lost their ovaries or chemotherapy or something. But the menopause program is almost all women over the age of 40 or 50. Okay. Then we have the sexual medicine program. Yes. And the sexual medicine program, a lot of people don't know what sexual medicine is because it can be a lot of things. You know, people think of sexual medicine as having safe sex, important, but it's not what we do. People think 
think about sexual medicine as being able to get pregnant, you know, reproductive, important, but there's someone else that does that. Right. What we do is the ability to have a normal sexual response. So as I always say, I don't care who or what you have sex with. Doesn't, right. you know, I'm, I'm not interested <laughs> right. in, in right. someone's, you know, proclivities. Exactly. What I want to know is, are things working the way you want them to work? Do you have a libido? Are you having pain? Are you able to have an orgasm? Are you becoming aroused? And if you're not, we want to fix it. Right. Because, because we that know. Because be that could be a medical problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. We find, and, and that's actually my personal area of interest, is how medical conditions impact on sexual function. So as an example, someone who has diabetes or heart disease, they might have great difficulty climaxing or becoming aroused or lubricating because of the vascular changes that occur as a result of diabetes. I'm doing a study right now. A lot of interesting studies going on, but, but this is one of my studies. favorites. This one's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Because I was talking to my ophthalmologist, I was just going in for my regular exam, and she said, well, I never have to send you know patients to your clinic. I'm an ophthalmologist. And I'm like, you think? I said, well, don't you see a lot of diabetics? And she said, yeah. I said, okay, well, you see people who have diabetic retinopathy, which is visual issues as a result of diabetes, diabetes because right. of small vessel problems in the eyes. I said, well, those are the same women that have problems having orgasms and she's like what and I said yeah small vessels are small vessels in various parts of the body so that intrigued her and now I am doing a study in conjunction with the Department of Ophthalmology looking at diabetic retinopathy and orgasmic function how Holy cool is cow. that so we're launching that in a couple months so if you if you go to that, that clinic you might get wild. a questionnaire please fill it out oh yeah but the, this the point is is that yes it is about quality of life and all of that but it's also about um you know what what is the impact on other medical problems and then the third program we don't want to give you know we have to yeah. give equal opportunity no, to all please. three programs the third program is the vulvar and vaginal health program this is one of those taboo topics right. nobody wants to talk about. Right, no one wants to talk about it, but no it's part of life. Talk about Everybody it, but, has sex, everybody, you know, and this is this is helping then, people. Right, but if someone has an itchy, painful, you know, vulva, believe me, this has an enormous impact on your life. And before we opened the clinic, the wait list to get into the vulvar clinic was eight months. Right. It's crazy, but that's what a huge unmet need it is. And now we have a program in conjunction with the Department of Dermatology. A lot of our programs are collaborative programs. We work with sex therapists and pelvic floor physical therapists and dermatologists and internists. And ophthalmologists, ophthalmologists obviously. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of being a Northwestern. Mm -hmm. So if people want more information about any of these programs, the website is sexmedmenopause.nm.org, sexmedmenopause.nm.org, for the vulvar program, the menopause program, the sexual medicine program, and yes, the Brava program the Brava also program. Yes, just a button on today. that side. This yes. is awesome. We're yeah. talking to Dr. Lauren Stryker. Quick break and more after this on 720 WGN. Dr. Love. Dr. Love. Dr. Love. Well, Dr. Lauren Stryker <laughs> is with us now. You're Dr. Love. That's a Dr. good Love. one. I don't know how That's I feel a good about one. that. You know, every time you're in, you get flooded with texts. Can you, and, and phone calls too, but a lot of texts are coming in. Can we ask if uh, people are asking all about the Brava program, which launched today, and we're mm -hmm. going to be talking about that yep, as yep, well. Yep. Um, someone asking from the 847, how about women that have endometriosis? Is there a program for that? We have a huge program, huge program. You know, and again, we talk about collaborative programs, and this is something that we are very excited to collaborate on with the Center um, 
another center that is actually in the same space with us. It's called the CCG, uh, the Center for Comprehensive Gynecology, and they specifically have an endometriosis program because they're doing so much research. And the thing about endometriosis, it's a lot like sexual medicine or menopause in that there's so many components that you need to address because it's not enough just to address you know, pain, potential infertility, drugs, the need for surgery. But a lot of these women will have um, you know, longer-term chronic problems. And one of the things that we have a huge program for there is pelvic floor physical therapy because we know that the pain from endometriosis and from other sexual issues can cause the pelvic floor muscles to get to get very um, hyper-contracted mm-hmm. and very painful. So we actually have therapists who work with the endometriosis program specifically. We have a physiatrist, physical medicine and rehab specialist to also work with endometriosis patients specifically. And plus there's a ton of research going on. So it's a very robust program. You also, um, you started a, a new venture with your daughter. Yes. It's, uh, this is, now this has to do with dating over 40. Well, no, no, that's not, okay, oh, this so, is separate. No, well, no, no, it is. So okay. this is what's going on with my daughter. Okay. okay. My daughter is, um, Who's adorable, and I don't know how this happened, but she happens to be a sex therapist. I mean, where did that come she, from? I don't know. I can't imagine. It <laughs> must have been all those fall far dinner from conversations. <laughs> she actually started out as a journalist. She had an interesting she job was in, a journalist in New right. York. Right. And yeah. she was managing editor of her magazine in New York. Yeah. When I was writing my book, Sex, Rx, Hormones, Health, and Your Best Sex Ever. Is that the one you wrote on the treadmill? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what I thought. And when I was writing my book, whenever I couldn't think of something really clever enough, you know, I would you know, immediately call Text Rachel her. and say, Rachel, I need, I need a title. I need a this. I need a that. And she's, you know, so quick and so witty that she would always come right back with it. And so as she started, you know, writing, I said, well, why don't you write a section of the book? So she said, okay, what do you want me to write? And I said, why don't you write tantric sex? That would be a good one. So she wrote that one. And she said, this is really interesting. I would love to have dinner with your family oh, we, sometime. we do have fun. Although my daughters have said they like bring home a new boyfriend and they're like, could you please not save a vagina at the table right. for at least the <laughs> first 15 please? minutes? Exactly. You know? But so we do have. Fair him, right. Yes. My, my husband always says that the word vagina gets tossed at our table more than the salad. Um, so I'm trying to be better about that. But anyway. So Rachel got very interested in all that, and she got so interested that she quit her job in New York. She moved back to Chicago. She went and she got her master's degree at Northwestern in marital and family therapy, and then she did a coursework at um, University of Michigan in sex therapy and is just absolutely exploding with this. Oh, yeah. So she's putting it, I mean, she does, she's in private practice and she does sex therapy. And, and I hope I'm not too soon to say this because it hasn't been formally announced, but she is going to be coming on board um, at the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause. We have sex therapists now. It's fantastic. She's, it's fantastic. She's so going to be our newest one. She's going to work with me. And then... But what I was mentioning the dating after 40 thing is, is that we've decided that we really do want to write together. Now, I write a monthly column for Prevention Magazine, which I love doing. I've been doing that for a little over a year. And I said to my editor, you know, wouldn't it be kind of fun to do a mother-daughter thing? And she agreed. So we wrote um, an article together, which will not, you know, it's in print. So we're way ahead. So I think it's going to be in the May issue. uh, issue Of Prevention? And Prevention Magazine. And it's dating after 40. And Rachel is talking about... You know, just what you need to know before you get out there in relationships and how much do you disclose and the whole right and when's the right time and and just all the, you know, the therapeutic issues that go along the 101. Exactly. And then I talk about, okay, now you're going to take your clothes off and (laughs) And what what you have to do to be safe and what you need to know before you do that. Exactly. So, but this is our actual first 
formal, you know, thing that we're writing I together. Love it. Congratulations. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're going to do some podcasts together. Oh, I know. Uh, I know a place you can do that. Do you? Right huh. here. Okay. That sounds good to me. WG. And yeah. more with Dr. Lauren Stryker after this. Give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. 935 720 WGN. We continue our conversation with Dr. Lauren Stryker. We were talking before the break about your daughter who uh-huh. is going to be working with you. She's a sex therapist. And yes, I said, wait a minute. I said, what? What does a sex therapist do? And you said, that's a great question. Let's talk about that. Well, we need to talk about it. And the reason we need to talk about it is Masters and Johnson, because everyone looked at that show, which was a terrific show, but they have this idea that sex therapy means that you take off your clothes and you have sex and people watch you and that is not sex therapy. No. And then there are the people that say to me, well, does a sex therapist like have sex with her clients? No. no. A sex therapist is a talk therapist okay you know sex therapists basically are therapists who have a minimum of a master sometimes a phd in therapy or psychology then they do special training in sexual issues and it's really important for the kind of work that we do so as an example we were talking earlier about endometriosis right and how women with endometriosis might end up having painful sex because they have pelvic floor issues as a result of their endometriosis. Right. Well, your regular therapist isn't going to know anything about that stuff. No. But a sex therapist who's certified does know about that. And she deals not only with the relationship issues that you might have a result, but also the chronic pain issues mm-hmm. that you may have. And so, right, and finding out pain, like we were saying before. And, and dealing with the pain. And so, you know, when we when we think in terms of a relationship therapist or a, a couple therapist, or these are for single women too, you know, who are dealing with issues maybe of being in a relationship, even if you're not currently in a relationship or dealing with chronic pain or dealing with sexual issues. You know, we didn't talk about the women who we talked a little bit about medical problems that cause sexual issues, but you know, we have women who are victims of trauma, of abuse, of rape, who have terrible sexual problems long term as a result of that. I can't fix that. No. I'm a gynecologist. So my job is when a woman comes to me and she's having issues, my job is to see is there a physical, medical, or hormonal reason for her problems. And once I rule all of that out and say this person does not have any physical, hormonal, or medical problems, and then it's my turn to say, and now I have a therapist who can help you mm-hmm deal with these very real problems, but they aren't necessarily physical or medical. So that's the importance of working collaboratively. You know, we have advanced practice nurses and physician assistants and therapists and pelvic floor physical therapists and all these specialties that come together. And we're all physically in one location, which is what makes it so amazing. Because if I say to a woman, I need you to see, you know, the sex therapist and to get pelvic floor physical therapy, and we are literally on the same hallway, so that she doesn't feel like I'm just sending her off and goodbye, right. good luck. You know, we all we all talk. We have conferences. Together, we yeah. all work together collaboratively. And there's nothing like that. This is such an amazing and groundbreaking facility for for women, for couples, mm-hmm. but for women specifically too. Mm-hmm. Why was it why was it taboo for so long to be talking about things like this and birth control? And your the text line is going crazy. Uh, someone wants you to dispel another myth about um, about hormones and birth control pills. Yeah. I think it's going to be a myth because it sounds yeah. like it is. But why was it taboo for so long to talk about these issues? You know, it's it's it, it comes down to the disparity between women's sexual health and male sexual health, and 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 that's another you know topic I really like to focus on because um, it, it the conversation is never taboo when it's about the guys. 
but about women it is. And it's an example I always give. If a, if a guy is diagnosed with prostate cancer, there's about a 100% chance that his doctor is going to say to him, you know, sir, um, the treatment may have... Um, may create problems with you in terms of your ability to have an erection or sexually, whatever. When a woman is diagnosed with ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, chances are her oncologist is not going to bring up the sexual problems she might have. Now, why would that be? Why? You know, it's just always has been. And and one of the things that is just striking is that 82% of research that has been done, medical research in this country, has been done only in men. Women are excluded from research. And I'm talking about even in the rats. You know, if someone's doing rat research, they get rid of all the women, all the girl rats, because nobody wants to take the chance that there might be hormonal fluctuations or in pregnancy that might screw up the results. So now there's this huge move to say, wait a minute, we have to include women in research because guess what? Women are not just little men. You know, the same drug in a man that has certain effects is not necessarily going to have the same effect in a woman. So At Northwestern, there is uh, the Women's Health Registry, which is a huge new endeavor with the idea of including women in research. And women always say, boy, I'd really like to do something that can make a difference. And I'm a believer in, you know, you march, you volunteer, all of that is really good. But if you want to really make a difference, if you register to be part of these research topics, what that means is that if a researcher, not just at Northwestern, but anywhere in the country, is looking for someone that has, you know, three earlobes, and they say, we're doing research on women with three earlobes, and then if you're registered as a woman with three earlobes, you can be contacted to say... Do you want to be in this research part project? Of the study, so, yeah. for example, the woman with endometriosis. Yeah. Maybe she's interested in being included in future studies. So anybody that wants to sign up for this study okay. uh, to be part of the registry. Okay. And part of the registry, they're looking to get 100,000 women in it so that researchers can go to this registry and find people that can help them with their studies. Okay. So they go to womenshealthregistry.northwestern.edu. E-D-U. Okay, Women's Health Registry. Registry.northwestern.edu. And I know you're going to put these websites up there. I'll put yeah, it on we'll my. Put these up I'll there. put it on my Facebook as well, which okay. is Doctor Stryker. Strike, I mean, Facebook.com slash Doctor Stryker. D R S T R E I C H E R. So I will put the information about the Brava program for okay. breast cancer survivors, the complimentary laser treatments. I'll put the information to register to be part of the Women's Health Registry um, to do research because women women want this information. Absolutely. Oh yeah. my gosh. I mean, like I said, the textures are, are going crazy here, and that's amazing to me when we were talking during the break about that disparity in studies Mm -hmm. featuring men and women that there aren't more women in studies. Well, absolutely. And and one of the things, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was all this news that came out about Ambien um, how it was making women too sleepy. Oh, yes. Well, yes. What you talk, I mean, I but the you reason, about that. yeah, the reason it was making women too sleepy is because all the ambient clinical trials were done in men. So when they said, okay, 10 milligrams oh. is about right for a good night's sleep and they'd give it to women and then three days later they'd wake up and they'd go, oh, I guess it works differently in women. Right. You know, and in heart disease, I mean, the list is very long, you know, because as I mentioned, 82% of research was done in men only. Now, 80, think of that number. 82%. 82%. But the, but the thing that got me is they don't even let, you know, the, like I said, the women rats. The women rats. <laughs> the, rats the poor women. The women rats are also like out <laughs> right. of the loop. It's poor Holy women rats. But, but that's all changing now. But that's why we need to get women to go to this registry and to get involved so that we can get good information on women as well. 
talking to Dr. Lauren Stryker. And again, we'll uh, we'll revisit both websites for the Brava and the Women's Health Study too. But uh, I want to I do want to get to a couple of texts if that's okay with you from the eight four seven. I thought I heard if your mother had breast cancer, you should not take hormones. Um, that is one of those myths that is floating around. And in fact, I just saw a woman in the office today who came in and she's been suffering. She's had hot flashes for seven years. They just kept telling her, oh, it's going to go away. And she was African-American, which means, you know, average for a Caucasian woman is seven to 10 years. Uh, African-American is more like 12 to 13 years. And so, you know, she was really suffering. And um, she had borderline diabetes and her blood pressure was up and she wasn't sleeping. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And because she had a mother with breast cancer mm. and she was told don't take estrogen. And she was um, very relieved to find that she certainly was a candidate. Um, and, you know, the, the one group that we're not giving estrogen to right now is women with breast cancer. Okay. Because while we know that estrogen doesn't cause breast cancer, the concern is if somebody already has it, if that might cause a recurrence. And we don't know. No one has done the research. Okay. So um, when we talk about hot flashes, just as long as we're talking about studies, let me mention one yeah. more that's going on in Please. Northwestern because this is also very exciting. Yeah. For women... Um, who have hot flashes, who can't take estrogen or who choose not to, there is a non-hormonal procedure. It's called a stellate ganglion block um, in which basically it's a little injection in a nerve bundle that makes the hot flashes go away. It's really? very cool. And Dr. Walega is uh, a, a researcher at Northwestern who's doing that. And of course, I can't remember the website now, but I will put it on my Facebook. I was, I was just going to say, um, is there anything that you know? You, I mean, all everything that you're saying, you don't have one note. You don't. This is all just from the top of your head. You, you never okay, break gave eye- me a hard time now no, that I can't remember you this break, website. You never break eye contact with me when we're talking. I mean, just all of this. I want. I, I truly was just going to say, do you, you're just your mind is like a steel trap. With some with things, I can never remember phone numbers. Last names are a nightmare. Um, you know, it's well. You remember the important things. I do, I do the remember important things. With most no of the important things I remember. Well, yeah, but are, but this is a, a very interesting study, and I will put the information on my Facebook.com slash Doctor Striker. Uh, let me ask you one more from the seven hundred eight birth control pills and the incidence of stroke after long term use? Question mark. Question it's mark? not a long term thing. Um, what we know is that women that take birth control pills are at increased risk for stroke. And interestingly, it usually happens sooner rather than later. So it's not really, it's not like, you know, oh, you've been on the pill for 10 years, you better go off, you're going to have a stroke. Most people that have a stroke on birth control pills have it earlier rather than later. And it's probably because they have a predisposition. There are certainly some people who have a higher risk of developing stroke. Sometimes they have a genetic predisposition. Uh, Women who are very overweight, women who smoke, especially over the age of 35, that's a big danger zone. And not just with the pill, but any hormonal contraception. It could be, um, you know, a ring, a patch, a pill. So um, certainly that is a risk factor, but it's not based on how long you've been on it. You know, I, I have a kind of a smoking question in general, too. I have it's a, bad. <laughs> I, oh, I know. No, I know. I have a friend um, who recently, um, and my and my cousin actually, too, but he's a man, but I have a friend who, she quit smoking about 10 years ago. She smoked for about 15 years, mm-hmm. a several pack a day smoker, and then just quit cold turkey, has not smoked in 10 years, and is scared to death that that's going to lead to something. Is it better to, obvious, obviously, just stop smoking? Right. That's the best. You mean thing is to do. it because she stopped cold turkey? She's worried that, and no. I think she was asking. She's concerned about vaping now. Vaping, yeah, vaping is not good. 
Okay. Vaping, they're finding all kinds of uh, problems with And vaping. a lot of the younger generation is vaping. Huge, now. huge. And it is not nothing. It is not benign. Um, and the research is accumulating on vaping. So, um, you know, you don't want to do lose it, right? one devil and bring in another. Okay. Yeah, don't vape. Talking to Dr. Lauren Stryker, we'll have much, much more coming up after this. WGN. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. Dr. Lauren Stryker from Northwestern Medicine. There's a lot of great studies going on at Northwestern. You're on Channel 9 usually every other week with Robin and Larry in the morning. I, tomorrow morning I will oh, be on. Thanks for staying fi- up late. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so 9.15 tomorrow. Um, and what's the I topic? just want you to know that your listeners got a sneak preview because I am going to talk about the Bravat program again tomorrow. Excellent. Um, I'm talking about some other things as well, but the Bravat program is, uh, but you heard it here first. And as I said, the website's open. So your listeners get, you know, we get first, first in there, first dibs in there. First in there. I Um, love that. I heard you give a stat the other day and, and you, you talk mainly about women's health, but sometimes you'll veer off and talk about other. Well, actually it's interesting because on WGN news, I actually do general medical stuff. I do do general medical. Did I hear you give a stand about chocolate the other day and when you have a cold yeah what, what is that i love that okay so this was a study that came out um that looking at cough syrups and just i'm just mentioning that today in the new york times jane brody wrote an article about it and i was like hey jane i talked about it first yeah you did but essentially you know cough medicine probably doesn't really work all that well mm-hmm. um and and what you're really doing with the cough medicine is you're decreasing inflammation and you're coating the throat so it's an irritate it's not like you have to cough up something and we're talking about not someone who has lung cancer or pneumonia but someone who just has like that post cold chronic, you know, icky cough. Right. Well, it turns out that chocolate coats those throat muscles, the surface of the throat, better than cough medicine. And actually, there is a cough medicine that is not made in the United States. It is made in the UK, as I recall, that seems to coat the um, throat better and decrease coughs better than cough medicine. And so now people are looking at, well, what about if you eat chocolate or drink hot chocolate? And I don't know that that's going to work as well, okay. but there's something in the chocolate. It's not just you know that actually sticks to the mucous membrane that decreases inflammation and decreases that urge to cough. So I no, love it that. It can't study. hurt. No, not right? at all. No, not I mean, at all. It can't hurt. a little bit and have, have a little some, piece of chocolate. Have some chocolate. Big Dark, piece of chocolate. Darker milk. No, only milk. Isn't that interesting? I, see, and I like milk chocolate better. Me too. I do. Me too. I'm not Fanny a du- yes. You know, I like oh. the cheap stuff. Me too. Especially I would, if it has nuts. In I know. It. I love the it's turtles. Terrible. Oh, I God, I know. Hey, speaking of, you were just talking about um, it's not, the, the cough medicine that's not marketed in the United States that mm-hmm. has the chocolate in it. Yeah. I was in Cabo a few weeks ago and, uh, I was in Cabo for the polar vortex, but I made the plans months before, right. and I purposely didn't post one picture because I didn't <laughs> want to be that person who was like, oh, she's in 80 degrees. Um, but every other corner, there's a pharmacy, right? and they're selling Z-Packs, and right. they're selling Ambien. And right. Is that, I mean, and I'm, people are just lining up to buy their Z-Packs well, because I they're was, five okay, bucks. Okay, I, I will do the, haha. I was not here for the, I just came back two days ago from San Miguel de Allende in, okay. in Mexico and same thing. Um, but things, I see, I won't buy that though because I, I just, I don't know, there's something. Uh, no, you can. And and one of the things that's interesting is, is when you look at birth control pills, in, in Mexico they're over the counter and in the United States they're not. And I believe they should be over the counter because if oh, you look, if you look at the issues with birth control pills, they are no higher in Mexico 
Mexico than here in terms of, you know, people that have strokes or, or blood clots. The numbers are the same. Right. Um, because people are not stupid. If you say to someone, don't take this pill if you're over 35 and a smoker, well, they're not gonna. No. People don't want to have bad things happen to them. No. So I believe in inform a consumer. If people are given good information, they will make good decisions. And I think it's fine to have a lot of this stuff over the counter because let's face it, going to the doctor is a huge barrier. We have a huge segment of the population that is underinsured. Mm -hmm. And even if they do have insurance, it is no small thing, assuming you can get an appointment to take off work, you know, go and wait, pay your copay. So people will just say, oh, I'll do without. I'll do without the contraception. I'll do without my high blood pressure pill. Anything we can do to get rid of barriers, you know, I believe, of course, in universal health insurance. I think, of course, uh, I, think yeah. I think, you know, having um, health care is, is a right, not a privilege. Um, but right now in this country, we have a lot of barriers. Mm-hmm. And if over-the-counter medication with good information is going to knock down some of those barriers, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Where were you in Mexico? San Miguel de Allende. Have you ever been there? Oh, no. I've it's in not. the mountains. And it just it sounds is, so nice right now as I, is as I expect lovely. more snow in the morning. Yeah, I wanted to stay. It was pretty nice. <laughs> well, before we run out of time, I want to have you give out the studies. First of all, thank you so much. I love when you come in. It's never enough time, and we have so much to talk about. And we didn't even get to like our new favorite restaurants and fine wine. And you know, that, that, that's next time. That's next, next time we're okay. just going to do you know things we like in the city. I I would be happy to do that. <laughs> I know. I, you... I was born here. I know. Oh. You know, I'm very. I still call Marshall Fields. What can I say? I still do. I still say Sears Tower. And you, and As there's another name Will, for it? Willis Tower, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but before we run out of time, I want you to give the websites again for Brava, because that just launched yeah. today. So um, the program for complementary laser treatments for women who have vaginal dryness and painful sex as a result of breast cancer, um, that website is nm.org slash Brava, like okay. Bravo, only the feminine for Bravo is Brava. Yeah. Um, but it does stand for um, breast uh, cancer and vaginal health. But anyway, nm.org slash Brava. And then the uh, the other website to go to to register to be part of the research registry is womenshealthregistry.northwestern.edu. Right. And that is for women. That is for women. You don't have to have a particular diagnosis. They just want a huge registry of women so that when they are researchers are looking for women to participate in research, they have many, many women to choose from. This is how we get good information so that we can then turn over that good information to to our patients. And we will put links up to this uh, with your podcast as well on WGNRadio.com. And I want to plug your Dating After 40 article with your daughter that you're yeah, writing. That's and that's for Prevention Magazine. Prevention Magazine. Yes. And then can I just mention that's my book? So cool. Because yeah, I, I want you to mention your well, book. Well, no, because a lot of people, they especially I know you have listeners from all over the place and they can't necessarily get to the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine yes. and Menopause. Um, my book is Sex rx hormones health and your best sex ever and that is for women of all ages i love and it pretty much covers everything and then you know my other book actually still is the number one book on hysterectomy on amazon the essential guide to hysterectomy yes and that's intended for women who've either been told they need to have a hysterectomy or who are going to have had one have had have one or have had one right um and you know again i believe in giving women information so they can make good choices i think it's wonderful and and give your website again too because and and the uh northwestern center too 
The Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause is sexmedmenopause.nm.org. And there's uh, information there for all three programs, the menopause program, the sexual medicine program, and the vulvar vaginal health program. Lots of information. And it's quite frankly the best way to make an appointment. Um, sometimes it's kind of tricky to go through the... Uh, let's say the the phones at Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. This is you can bypass the phones. Just go to sexmedmenopause.nm.org. You can send in confidential email to us, and then you will be contacted by my staff, who will get you an appointment. And um, and I'm just going to brag about one thing that Please. just came out. Yes. We have a 99% patient satisfaction rate and a 100% likely to refer at Northwestern, which is kind of unheard of well, for a clinic in the first year. It's awesome. So, it's yeah, awesome. We're very excited You're about going that. on your second year there. Yeah. You're at, yeah. With the center and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. wonderful. It's Doing a great well. place. And uh, you're going to have to teach me your memory retention, too, because <laughs> you never look at a note, and I don't know how you do it. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's thank Dr. You. Dr. Lauren Stryker. More after this on 720 WGN. Huge thanks to everybody tonight. Dr. Lauren Stryker, Lisa and Carl from WGN Radio Theater, uh, the Chancellor of the University of Illinois, Dr. Robert Jones, and our panel on the reporters tonight, Lourdes Duarte, Jeff Cohen, and Amy Guth. Podcasts are all available at WGNRadio.com.